0: Today's edition of the Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by Vin. Find and buy a new car, and even test drive it, without once setting foot at a dealership. Visit vinauto.com for more details. Introducing the Capital Daily's Weekly Photo Challenge. Each week, our team will post a weekly photo theme in Monday's Capital Daily newsletter, as well as announcing it right here on the podcast, with winners receiving gift cards to local Victoria businesses around town. This week's theme is Island History, where we are asking for photos of your favourite historic space on the island. To enter, simply email us your photo or post it directly to your own social media account. For more details, check out Monday's Capital Daily Newsletter. Hi, I'm Ben Waterworth and welcome to the Capital Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 22nd, 2020.
1: So It's a humbling moment, when I look always behind, I stop, look behind and say, well, who's left behind, who shouldn't have been, and try to share that as broadly as possible.
0: We chat with University of Victoria cosmologist Julio Navarro about recently being recognised as a Citation Laureate, his work with Dark Matter, and why he's such an entertaining teacher. <laughs> University of Victoria cosmologist Julio Navarro last week became the first person from UVic and just the eighth person from Canada to be recognized as a citation laureate by the London-based Institute for Scientific Information, Clarivate Analytics. Navarro's recognition came from his work with dark matter, where he uses supercomputers and complicated numerical algorithms to recreate how galaxies are formed. His research has led to a new understanding of the structure of dark matter halos, as well as galaxy information, evolution, and cosmic structure. The designation by Clarivate Analytics uses data to identify highly cited researchers whose contributions to science have been influential or even transformative, deeming a researcher to be of Nobel class. Since the designation was created in 2002, 360 researchers have been named Citation Laureates, of which one sixth eventually went on to receive a Nobel Prize. And to talk about his recognition and about his work with dark matter, it's a pleasure to welcome Julio Navarro to the Capital Daily Podcast today. Julio, thanks very much for joining me. Well, thank you very
1: much for inviting me, Ben. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: I have to start off with a question that will kind of help mainly myself but I'm sure some of our listeners who may not fully understand what dark matter is. Could you give me a brief rundown on what dark matter is, Julio?
1: Well, it's easier to explain what it isn't. So dark matter is not what we are made of, where a planet is made of, where a star, the sun, is made of. That is all regular matter, the matter that you learn, you know, about in your chemistry courses. When you, if you recall, the periodic table of the elements, you know, basically mixtures of of protons, neutrons, electrons, and other things, is not that. We know that for sure. We also know that it dominates the universe. In other words, there is, you know, to have round numbers, like 10 times more matter more dark matter than there is ordinary matter. So in other words, if you put all the stars, all the things that we know in the universe, we only get about a tenth of the mass in the universe. And okay, so we also know how this dark matter is distributed around the universe, uh, how it permeates galaxies. Um, we know, you know that it's uh, basically very, very important to understand the structures in the universe without dark matter, there would mean no galaxies. Without galaxies, there would be no stars. Without stars, there would not be any planets. Without <laughs> any planets, there wouldn't be any Ben or me or anyone else who is <laughs> listening to your podcast now. So, so they're quite. It's quite. It's quite important.
0: It. It sounds very important. I'm. I'm glad that it does or or doesn't exist, however you classify that. How. How do you end up working with dark matter, Julio? Is this something that had always interested you? How did you get involved?
1: Yeah, I was just looking at my. The title of my PhD thesis, which was like 30 and something odd years ago, and they already had dark matter in the title. So I guess I've been working on dark matter for all of my professional career. I tell my students in jest sometimes that, you know, it's best that we don't know. Don't find out what dark matter is now mm-hmm. uh, because I'll be out of a job. <laughs> that's that's all, I know, <laughs> all I know how to do. So maybe we should wait until I retire and then figure out exactly <laughs> what it is. So yeah, I've been working on that for quite a while, and is really one of the main mysteries in contemporary physics. I, I like to think of yeah, I like to think of every you know every um, kind of time in in science and physics in particular, which is what I know better, uh, as you know defined by challenges. Like you know, we had a challenge of understanding the atom in, at the end of the eighteen hundreds. with a challenge of understanding how, what what the planets do, how the sun they move, the moon moves in the fifteen hundreds. And now we have this challenge, we have a dual challenge of what is dark matter and what is dark energy, which is another thing that I also often work on in the sense that I'm, I'm familiar with it. But uh, but it's, that those two things actually are our intellectual challenge today.
0: It's almost a very unique science then that, as you kind of alluded to there, it's almost like you don't want to fully discover what it is because you might be out of the job. So <laughs> it's a kind of a, an interesting thing to go into in that profession where you're doing all this research and you're being recognized for this research, but at the same time, it's like, well, how much effort do you want to put into that so you keep your job, basically?
1: <laughs> yeah. When I, was, when I was joking. I think I probably still have a job, uh, even if we find out what dark matter is. Uh, but, um, but it is, you know, it is, I think it's going to be a long haul. I mean, We've been working on this for you know, a few decades now, I'd say four or five decades, and uh, we are, I think, closer to finding out what it is, but uh, not there yet.
0: How long is this process in terms of, I mean, as you say, you're still working on it, it's, you're not there yet, but is it something that you can put a, a time frame on or is this something that could just all of a sudden come at one point and go, boom, here it is, we've discovered it, or is it something that is going to take a certain amount of time?
1: well no we, we hope that you know one of one of the many experiments that are running today in the world you know, in different parts of the world you know, by run by different uh, scientists all very very sophisticated and really run by the best minds in experimental physics uh, will you know, yield a positive result and uh, if that happens i mean of course there will be a long a long haul to understand exactly all the details but that would be a really major and transformative breakthrough if we can figure out what it is We have, you know, suspicions, of course. Uh, We think it's a subatomic particle uh, that has determined properties. And based on those hypotheses is what you base these experiments that are currently going on. Um, I guess also because of that, we know what is not. Because the experiments have also ruled out a bunch of possibilities that until now they seemed uh, reasonable. And now we know they're not. So I think the race is on. And... uh, it, is, it will be you know, a major breakthrough when we figure out what it is.
0: And in terms of major breakthroughs, where would that rank in human history when that is eventually discovered? What it is?
1: Well, as I said, you know, if, if we define our our the intellectual challenges of our generation of physicists or astronomers uh, in terms of dark matter and dark energy, I think clearly will be, to me, on the par of perhaps you know as I was saying before. Uh, understand the structure of the atom, understand that the electron was different from the nucleus, the nucleus was small, the electron was flying around. That stuff we didn't know, you know, 150 years ago or so. Now, of course, you know, it's the basis of everything we do from material science to, well, the fact, you, you and I are talking through some combination of electron and magnetic waves. None of that was known 150 years ago. I think it would be akin to that kind of revolution.
0: Last week, of course, you were recognized as a Citation Laureate by Clarivate Analytics. What does this recognition mean to you, Julio?
1: Well, I mean, like every recognition I take, it's, you know, very well, I mean, ambivalent about recognitions and prizes and things like that in general. Uh, I think that, you know, although they're, of course, you not know, very good for your ego and for feeling good about yourself, uh, also as sort a of recognition for a career that devoted to a particular topic it also focuses recognition on very few people right, by, by definition and uh, you kind of lose uh, sight of you know the overall effort that not just uh, my collaborators and my friends and my mentors have put into it but the whole societies and you know, whole societies are behind this effort in which we people like me get paid to carry out this basic research which is basically you know rewarding us for doing our our hobbies Right, so, from that point of view, I think you know it's it's a, it's a humbling moment You want to look always behind, I stop, look behind and say well who who was left behind, who shouldn't have been, and try to share that as as broadly as possible
0: and does it mean a little bit extra as well that you were the first person from Uvic to receive this recognition
1: well um you know I'm very honored, of course, but I also always remember you know I'm from Argentina originally as uh like, clearly my accent is not from here although I've been in Canada for 22 years uh, but you know since we're in Canada we have two languages I'll tell you what one of our, my compatriots um, said when uh, he was offered a major honor okay, and I'm talking about Ernesto Guevara which you may know from the, from the little hat but he was uh, he was offered his major recognition and he like said in French actually uh, les honneurs ça ma merde <laughs> <laughs> so he said, we should recognize hard work and should keep doing the hard work, but honors we can do without, I mean, in a, in a very vague translation uh, from the French. How do
0: they find out about your work? Do you have to submit the work to the Institute? Do they discover you? Kind of, how does it all work?
1: well i mean this institute that awards the this, this uh citation laureates in this particular case is what is the most uh you know respected institute of data scientific analysis in the sense that what they do is they they analyze every scientific paper published in of course you know a bunch of disciplines and what they do is they track down which paper is cited by other papers more often than others it's the the way that google decides i you know which uh, how it's going to prioritize the list of possible things that you know, match your search. They usually one of the many things in the algorithm that they use is saying, okay, if this link has been used by many people, it's very popular, if you click on something, I'll suggest that link first. It's the same idea, of course, you know, i with done slightly different metrics, but uh, it basically uh, identifies the, the works that have been uh, most influential over a period of time in a particular discipline by looking at what other works have cited them and that's why the word citation laureates come so they only consider people with papers that have been have been cited more than several thousand times for example just you know an enormous (laughs) enormous number typically um and then out of those they narrow down the uh the, the search by different metrics once they've done that every year they publish a list just before the Nobel Prizes are awarded because what they try to do is is match the metrics to other Nobel Prizes or Nobel laureates have already been awarded. So that's why they call these people uh, in this list, you know, people of Nobel class, in the sense that they are from that metric, not I don't say every metric, on that metric, comparable to, to Nobel laureates.
0: You've finally cracked something for me now Julio since my time at university. Now I know why I have to cite everything that I do in my work at university. It's to help people like yourself go towards these recognitions. Now my professors are very smart people back in university. I like that. Sight
1: me is Yes, that the, yes. Keep citing everyone Sight yeah. <laughs> me And especially me yeah, no. It builds
0: up over time How do you find out That you've got the recognition Do you get a phone call An email I mean And you're sort of told Like before they officially Announced this to the world And you've got to Keep it secret For a little
1: bit Well I mean It's it's not a huge secret really we're not talking about you know something that will change the history of humankind because we're on the list or not uh, but uh, but you know you get, you get contacted by this company they arrange for an interview for example with a professional interviewer and then they edit a little video that uh, everyone on this list you know is asked a few questions you respond they have a video they have a website and uh, and then it gets communicated widely to the media and you know media dependent on the country depending on what um, you know who the, is in the list you know respond more or less. Right? So for Uvic, for example, uh, since I am the first citation laureate of the university since this was established you know nothing like you know 15 years ago, then you know it is you know, an interesting recognition.
0: And does Uvic then give you like a, a bigger office or something or better access to certain parts of the university in celebration of this recognition?
1: I'll send you to talk to the Dean and the Vice President, uh, academic, see if that will happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. No, I mean, it is considered, of course, an honor, and I did receive, you know, notes from the Vice presidents and the President, um, you know, uh, recognizing that and uh, congratulating me, which, of course, I'm very happy about. But no, to us, really, it doesn't make any big difference in anything that, you know, cash-wise or otherwise, unfortunately. Yes, but, we'll, we'll uh, change you know, that. The we'll honor, try and get the honor, <laughs> The honour remains. The honour remains.
0: <laughs> I mean, the recognition came from your work in particular to work with dark matter halos, other things there, as well as galaxy formation, evolution, cosmic structure. Again, my very first question of this interview sort of was around explaining a little bit about that, but could you maybe give us a brief rundown of dark matter halos and some of those other things that you were recognised for?
1: Yeah, so as I was saying at the beginning, you know, dark matter dominates the universe. Because without dark matter, there would be no structures. Now, what is the relation between dark matter and the structures that we know? The structures that we can identify visually, you know, with light, right? Dark matter, a better word for it would be invisible matter. We know that it doesn't interact with light. It's there. I mean, how do we know it's there? Well, we know it's there because of the gravity. We feel it's gravity. Or the, actually, the stars in a galaxy feel the gravity. To give you an example, we know the mass of the sun because we know the speed of the Earth, and we know the distance between Earth and sun. Okay? So we go around because the gravity of the sun makes us go around. Okay? So, that's, so we know the mass of the sun. If you take mass of the sun and divide it by two, take out half the mass, the Earth would not go in an orbit. It would just escape away into the galaxy. Okay? So in the galaxy, we can do the same. We can take a star. We know the star goes around the galaxy in a circle. The sun as an example we know the velocity of the sun we know the distance from the sun to the center of the galaxy We can work out what is the mass of the galaxy and we can compare that mass to the sum of all the masses of all the stars in the galaxy and we came, we come out lacking there is more mass that we can account for uh, but gravitationally we know there has to be more mass otherwise it would not be in a circular orbit the galaxies would just disappear into the universe because the galaxies are there, there's evidence they've been there for many, many billions of years, there must be more mass. That's one of the ways in which we inquire about how much mass there is, how it's distributed within galaxies. And then, of course, we try to put all the, the pieces of the puzzle together. For example, there are no galaxies without dark matter. And now we know that... you think of a galaxy think of a little coin think of the penny that doesn't exist anymore of course (laughs) But Mm -hmm. think of a penny and put it inside you know a big medicine ball okay so at that center that penny is all of the stars in the milky way and i say a penny because it's a little disc you know so stars are spinning around so it's like a little droplet of light in the center of a dark ball just imagine it's spherical it doesn't need to be exactly spherical but So we we call those halos of dark matter, in which inside, very, very close to the center, uh, we have a little droplet of light, which is the collection of all the stars that uh, uh, that that make up our galaxy.
0: I really wish I had you as a teacher, Julio, when I was at school, because you make this sound so interesting, and I don't think I ever had anyone who taught it to me quite like that to make it sound (laughs) so interesting. I I was asleep half the Mm -hmm. time in science and physics and all of that, so I I needed you, I think, back in my school days.
1: Well, as I said to my students, I, I tell the dean usually, look, when I don't teach, I'm so much happier. And more importantly, my students are also happier. So, <laughs> so maybe thanks for the congratulations. It's, it's nice to hear that.
0: Possibly just play this podcast with them. Maybe, <clears throat> they'll, uh, maybe they'll learn a little bit more. Uh, you work a lot with supercomputers as well. What, what is a supercomputer in 2020? And, and will supercomputers of today in 10, 20 years time basically be what we're going to have in our homes and in our phones essentially?
1: Well, the computers that we have in our phones today are much much more capable than the computers are used for the work that uh, for the, the basis of the work in which this recognition came about and that work was published at the end of the 1990s so clearly there's been enormous advance uh, in computing technology at the time the advance was in making you know each individual chip as we call it each, the, faster now now actually the advance has mostly come from uh, because you know the, the, the Chips are almost as fast as they can be uh, with small changes, but really haven't been changed. They haven't changed in the past no, five, 10 years in, in the raw speed. But what we will know how to do now is to put many of them together. So we put thousands of these little chips, uh, like thousands of computers if you want, all together, all linked together, all talking to each other, and we create a mega computer out of a, basically like the sheer number of things that can work at the same time and address. Uh, one particular problem, uh, and all of these things work simultaneously. This is a major advance in hardware, but it also requires a major advance in software. It's not easy to make all these things talk to each other and solve, say, a differential equation or solve a problem uh, in in physics or in astronomy. So the two things that have gone together, algorithmic advances and at the same time, you know, hardware advances that made all these things possible
0: and does that sometimes amaze you to think that in the palm of your hand as you sort of mentioned you've got something that's more powerful than when you first started doing this 20 or so years ago i mean that's something i guess a lot of us might not have even been able to imagine that that would be possible
1: yeah, no, it's, 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 it's easy to be, you know, jaded. and say, oh, wow, my phone is so slow. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to be jaded, but uh, the advances and you know, in technology, the things that well, things we can do, in fact, we can talk right? Yeah. right now and you can have this podcast. It's all uh, basically due to that, uh, you know, to those advances. And to put it into context, you know, the research that I do is basic research. You know, if we, even if we find out tomorrow what dark matter is, nothing will change instantly, right? But you know, you could have said the same in the 1800s. People were trying to understand what the electron was. People didn't know that. Oh, was the proton? Was the electron? What is all that stuff, right? At that time, that was basic research. Today is the basis of our society, right? So maybe, you know, predictions are are always <laughs> a, bit, a bit adventurous, but. Uh, maybe what we understand today, what we learn today about dark matter and the potential to change in our understanding of physics will mean that in hundred years, or you know, for our grand grandkids, you know, they will benefit from another a substantive change in society based on the technology that comes out of this discovery.
0: Before I let you go, Julio one-sixth of all Citation laureates have gone on to receive a, a Nobel Prize. Is, is that the dream? Is that something that is in the back of your mind? Or is that something that, as you were talking about before, receiving this honour would be an honour, but it's not obviously what you're doing this for?
1: It's not what I'm doing this for. I mean, it's not what any of us do this for. Of course, you know, we all have a little bit of an ego. We all like to be recognised, especially by, for people that, by people that we think are smarter than we are, which in the the case of the Nobel Committee is undoubtedly the case. But aside from that, I don't do this for neither for money nor for for honors or awards. We do this because we have have a passion. We are basically basically most of the scientists that I know who are engaged in basic research, and many who are not, of course, just because they can't or there's no... There's no room or money for all of us. Uh, we do this because we're curious. We want to find out things. Like you know, my passion is to know tomorrow. You know, in a future sense, things that nobody has known. No, not that other people. No one ever in humankind have have known. But being part of that big enterprise, of course, not I'm not alone. Uh, the big enterprise of trying to push the boundaries of the of what is known and you know shape our future through the sheer power of knowledge is really a, an almost you know, exhilarating proposition and, uh, and I guess is what guides uh, most of us.
0: It's been a really fascinating chat with you today, Julio. I really have learned a lot and I, I stand by my fact before I really wish I had you somewhere in my schooling days to learn a lot more about this all those years ago. Really appreciate your time here on the Capital Daily Podcast. Thanks very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much, Ben. A pleasure.
0: Coming up, all the day's news, plus find out which Hollywood tough guy has recently tried his hand at a music career, next. Vin is a groundbreaking car search app that is a powerful tool to compare prices across dealerships. It's a streamlined way to secure auto financing online and uses its innovative service to have cars delivered right to your home for a test drive. Vin hasn't just brought the auto market online, they've completely changed what it is to buy a car. But don't just take my word for it. Take TJ's word for it. TJ said they found their perfect car, filled out all necessary paperwork, and booked their viewing time while sitting at their kitchen table. Or how about SW's word for it, who compliments Vin for their amazing service and highly recommends them due to their best price and quality of their cars. Join real customers TJ and SW right now by visiting (laughs) vinauto.com. Today's news now and a new record has been set in Victoria's deadliest every year for overdoses with the 102 deaths thus far in 2020, surpassing 2018's total of 97. This year is now on pace to set BC's all-time fatal overdose record with the 1,202 province-wide deaths tallied over the last nine months already double the 12-month total of every year before 2016. Only 25 months in history have yielded more than 100 overdoses, according to the BC Coroner Service, and seven of those have occurred during the pandemic. Numbers are declining somewhat from the record-setting highs of the summer, however, and Victoria has dropped from a peak of 22 in May to five in September. Vic High Spaces and Ethical Engagement says there wasn't enough consultation about the proposed Caledonia affordable housing project, which will take up an eight-metre easement needed for a new eight-lane track. The group says the new plan for a two-lane track is vastly different than what was originally proposed. However, School District Secretary Treasurer Kim Morris told the Times Colonist the original plan for the stadium could not go forward because of the cost and scope. The affordable housing project was irrelevant to the final plan. Oak Bay has issued a request for proposals for Oak Bay Marina lands. Oak Bay Marina has operated the site for 60 years, but their lease is set to expire in 2022. The District of Oak Bay said in the request, it is hoping to recreate the area into a happening place that becomes more of a destination for a wider variety of users. And 304,500 vote-by-mail packages have been returned so far in the BC election. This comprises 42% of all packages requested by voters. As of Monday, 472,354 people have voted in advance polls. (laughs) today and what is not exactly brand new news I wanted to leave you with a fun fact about a Hollywood tough guy who has recently released his debut single I'm going to play a clip for you right now of the song and I want you to see if you can guess who is singing in this song take a listen guess a certain star of the fast and furious and guardians of the galaxy movies vin diesel you would be correct the song is called feel like i do and it's a collaboration with norwegian dj kygo and has been out for just under a month now it's pretty interesting to say the least and i'm sure of uh, many things that have happened in this very strange year of 2020 having vin diesel release a pop song is something that i'm sure many people probably didn't predict this year continues to stay crazy and that's it today for the Capital Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 22, 2020. Tune into the show tomorrow. We're going to be joined by Capital Daily reporter Anna J. James. She's going to be catching us up on some of the things she's been working on. Always good to catch up with her and find out a little bit about what she is doing out there in Victoria. Tune in tomorrow to the Capital Daily Podcast to hear that. My name is Ben Waterworth and as I say in Australia, only two more days to grand final day. Thanks for tuning in, and I will speak to you tomorrow. Today's edition of the Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by VIN. Find and buy a new car, and even test drive it, without once setting foot at a dealership. Visit vinauto.com for more details. Introducing the Capital Daily's Weekly Photo Challenge. Each week, our team will post a weekly photo theme in Monday's Capital Daily newsletter, as well as announcing it right here on the podcast, with winners receiving gift cards to local Victoria businesses around town. This week's theme is Island History, where we are asking for photos of your favourite historic space on the island. To enter, simply email us your photo or post it directly to your own social media account. For more details, check out Monday's Capital Daily Newsletter.